Welcome to Growing Up Fire with Jamie Coots. Welcome to episode six, Growing Up Fire. Today I'm with Mike Crawford, who's the Director of Emergency Management and Emergency Services for Stony Nakoda Emergency Services. And we're in their fire hall on the Morley Reserve. Thanks for taking the time, Mike. Hey, happy to be here. <laughs> I don't think you're happy to be here, but that's okay. We'll, we'll work through that process. Uh, I thank you for taking the time and, and hanging out with me today. It's been fun. We've been here for most of the week. We're kind of doing some stuff together and got to meet some great people and see some, this is an incredible area, like to look at the mountains, the river, everything at the same time. I got to tell you, driving in every morning has just been an incredible pleasure. I just about can't stand to go home, actually. So today, let's just start out and talk about, you know, what made you be a firefighter? Where does that come from in your life? Well, my dad was a firefighter with the city of Calgary. So I grew up fire, all the stuff he did on the job and off the job and especially off the job. You're, you're and, the guy, you're, and, you're uh, growing up fire. This so, is it. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up fire and yeah, it just kind of seemed a natural evolution to head that way. Like he never forced me to do it or said I should do it. I just evolved into it and thankfully it was the best thing I ever did yeah well it is it's I say this all the time and, and people give me a hard time for it but it's better than a real job it's much better than a real job I love being a firefighter I love being part of this uh, all of this stuff you know you think of all the things you could do right and so in my family there was trained people there was bankers there's you know all these different things and I just couldn't see myself in any of those roles great great jobs for them great lives for them but just happy that I kind of fell into this one to put it that way. So, yeah. you know, so long career for you. You're watching your dad as a kid. You're growing up. You're hanging out at fire halls. You're you're getting for a trip for in, in fire trucks. You're, you're seeing everything there is to do. Is there other firefighters in your family too? Or are you the only one? No, that's it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's your dad and it's you. and Yeah. Four kids and none of them went into it. None um, of them went into the family business. <laughs> no, my son's girlfriend is, uh, is a firefighter at one of the oil sands facilities and oh that's cool so other than that yeah. yeah so you two get to have all the best fire conversations while everyone <laughs> sits there and awkwardly stares at you about while you're high-fiving about weird calls and, and weird things so exactly oh, that's all good stuff right <laughs> yeah and, and so when you think back you know uh whatever year it was you don't have to date yourself here and and you get on with the calgary fire department obviously it was probably a quite different process back then even to get on the, the department what were those early days like well it was Definitely not like today. Let's <laughs> let's put it that way. It was, uh, you know, it was 1981. I was 20 years old when I went through the whole process. Got hired. I just turned 21, and recruit school was just a blast. But I look back at it, and the safety part of it was it's so much emphasis on safety today and doing yep. things right. And and I 100% agree with it. It's way better now. You know, everyone always... But it was way funner then, right? That's yeah, the <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone talks about the old days, the old days. Well, the new days are better, you know, as far as your health and safety goes. But it was fun. Like, <laughs> you know, I remember our, our smoke tower, we used to have the toughest firefighter competition. And what it was, they would take three tires, put them in the smoke tower with a, our class of 24 crammed in there, light the tires on fire 
you know, use a bit of gas, get it going. Yeah, and, yeah. and it was the last firefighter who could stand being in there. Right. Was the champion, right? So yeah. guys are bailing out and you're yeah. trying you to You do that today, you're in prison, and, eh? Like, it, <laughs> just it, immediately. Exactly. So that kind of sums the whole thing, experience <laughs> yeah. up, right? No, it is. And it's so different. Like, you, you know, you think back to, to when you start. And uh, I'm really careful not to date myself here. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't you care. Know, <laughs> <laughs> the things that we got to do. And got to see and be a part of and it's still to this day it's all about the camaraderie and the teamwork and the you know you want to be part of it but it was different then for sure and i think it was different all the way through and, and people you know would argue with us all day long about better or worse i'm just gonna stick with funner it was a funner time we worked hard we played hard we uh yeah we, we got to do and see some crazy stuff you know the calls were different let's talk about that for a second so you know a structure fire in 1981 versus a structure fire today well there wasn't even really a lot of size up right the first arriving officer would just start barking orders and the next arriving truck there's no p post and let's establish our problems our objectives and strategy and tactics it was like just drop the puck and let's get at her right <laughs> so i specifically remember one we, we had a, a firebird it was a articulating platform and three of us on it and when we showed up at a fire the officers usually went to what we called the red mile they'd all be hanging out on the front lawn and you know so our lieutenant went off to join the other officers and myself and my buddy we were just like, well, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? And it was a three-story old house. So we just grabbed a line and went up a ladder on into the third floor, you know. Right up in there. <laughs> right up on our own, right? And yeah. we did a search up top and and the fire was in the basement working its way up. And, you know, no one knew we were up there. You know, we just did whatever we wanted. And boy, that was fun. Sure, sure. Yeah. No, and I think that, uh, you know, I can remember a time, I think we were just washing a parking lot and... They didn't really show us how to run the pump. And it's this old 1965 pumper, right? And so then, well, we're going to do a little hose work. And and it wasn't long, and we've sprayed the inside of the cab, and the radio's on fire, and, and that truck's not running right. And, you know, and uh, no one said yeah. anything. We're just kind of like, you know, disconnect the power of the radio so it doesn't burn up the truck and wait and kind of wipe things up so no one knew what we were doing and, and get back to work, right? Yeah, there, there's so many things like that. What about equipment? I, I love to talk about equipment because the things, I mean, that we were allowed to wear and do, I mean, that's changed so much over the years, right? Yeah. Well, the sad thing is all the changes, the major changes we've had over the years come from tragedy, right? Like I was at a hotel fire where the one and only Calgary firefighter passed away in the fire. And, you know, we, we were all there. I was there. But what came of that, you know, tragedy, but we got new radios, we got new training, 45-minute bottles, like we all upgraded, but it took that, right? Yeah, change, to get that change on someone else's life, right? I mean, changed, you know, on that. And that's typically the things that have, throughout the my career, it's taken, not to that extent, but, you know, other things have forced the change, right? For sure. So, yeah, I mean, how many times have you sat in a fire hall and say, does someone have to die before we can get this change, right? This improvement into what we're doing. Yeah. That's a good yeah. point for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and, and I mean, the equipment changes a lot of it's really good. Of course it is, right? Technology, but back in, and I hate to say back in the day, you know, we had the old international pumps, cab over pumps, and they never broke. We never, ever had problems with them at all, right? Yeah. And if it did, you could fix it or do something. And in Calgary, when I left, when I retired, we had 
I think 42 frontline pumps and we had 10 spares. That's how much the, yeah. That's how much. And frequently, you know, we're scrambling to move spares around and, you know, so 25% of our engines were down at any given time. Yeah. So it shows you how it changed, right? And I think you can say the same thing about vehicles today, right? In general, right? The more technology, the more chance something going on. Yeah. Uh, I often talk about that. We had the old Scott. 2a with the flapper valve for positive pressure and so that's what i started out my career 30 years later we went to the newest greatest scott you know it takes five minutes for everything to power up and and then if you don't know the processes you can't even power it off so in my new job we'll go somewhere and i'll be like oh yeah what's the i'm on youtube trying to figure out how to turn off this alarm and that siren (laughs) and and this mask and you know the uh the last mask i ever ever wore enslaved before i retired was you know it had a thermal image camera built onto the pack and i'm getting this heads up to display of what it sees and i and i thought like what a curious thing over 30 years to go from what we had if we were lucky enough to have an scba to what i finished with and it makes me wonder what will that look like in another 30 years right right yeah so so not just the gear then not just the trucks you know but moving up so you go you start off as you're a firefighter it's pretty carefree best job in the world right you're just kicking down doors putting out fires helping people then you're with calgary fire you're moving through the ranks right you got to be the senior guy and all that stuff and you worked your way up captain district chief so let's talk a little bit about that best job i don't want to call it the worst job because there's really no terrible jobs in the fire service but hardest right so let's start a firefighter What'd you like about that? It was fun. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there wasn't a lot of controls or whatever, right? You just, I I was lucky enough to work downtown Calgary for the biggest part of my formative years. And so big crews, fun crews, lots of guys at fires. It was just fun. Like we, we became buddies, right? To this day, I'm still buddies with my first crew. Like even though... One lives in Washington State. One lives in in the Kootenays. You know, I still we still keep in touch and visit each other when we're in town. That camaraderie's still there. Eh? Yeah, like we play. We grew up together, right? We yeah. we played slow pitch together. There's a slow pitch league, a hockey league. You know, it's still running to this day. And I think we started it in 1983, maybe. And the old, there's lots of hockey, but we just started it to get more hockey. Yeah, for sure. It reminds me, we, we share a, a friend, Danny Freeman, right? He's always talking about how many guys used to work at Station 1 downtown Calgary and, you know, how the meals were and the jokes were and the fun was. And the and when you went to work, there was lots of guys, so you could get the work done and get back. And, yeah. and so, uh, you know, I often think of that, how it changes, right? So, all right, you're cruising along, you're a firefighter, you're having fun, you're learning a ton of stuff, right? They move you up to pump up, you're, you got to learn how to run the pump. So you got, you got a lot of time running a pump there. So yeah. what, what was the good times, the bad times in running a pump for Calgary Fire? Well, you know, I just loved it. Like pump operator was great for the first hour of the fire, first half hour, and then it kind of got boring because you hit set steady state. But I just love the mechanics of pump operator you know the driving the the operating of it I was a pump it a shift pump instructor you know it was all good that we had pretty good equipment but I remember the first first fire I really went to of any significance we we had the pump and it had just come back from the shop they'd rebuilt the pump and there's a whole bunch of air in the even though the tank fill was on there's an air bubble there so we pull up senior man gets the line off it's my first fire flames roaring out of a, a apartment building, the basement window. I put her in pump gear, 
go to pump. The guy didn't open the nozzle. There's an air, right? It's yeah. Straight air. <laughs> Robert, get me water. And charge this line. And it's like, oh shit, man, go back in the pump, back in the cab, make sure it's all right. Then he opens the nozzle, bleeds the air out, get water. Right. But I, I realized then that, holy shit, like, I really got to know my stuff here, right? Like, <laughs> That's right. you know, it was maybe only a 30 second delay, but you know, that was a good learning experience that, holy cow, right? Like you can have fun, you can joke around, you can do whatever, but you better make sure your equipment's. You get to that level of seriousness in a hurry, right? When you're. Yeah. Exactly. You, yeah. you don't want to be that person that causes someone to get hurt or misses a chance to put out the fire in that first few minutes. And Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, so we were talking before this recording started about uh, the driving and all that stuff. And, and so I got to tell you, one of the craziest things I ever did was went to the big training center in Calgary after the fire and slave. And they threw me in the back of that big training driver training fire truck. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you start out as a firefighter in 1981, you're cruising through your whole. So it's 2011, 2012, and this big driver training truck shows up and you jump in the back and it's like 3D world. And what did you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's yeah. really good. But it went to kind of move from that practical experience part of it to now you're in a simulator and it's fun and it's a video game. And it's probably necessary, but it's still not the real thing, right? No, of, for sure, yeah. Of, of going out there and doing it. And, and it's that yeah. generational thing. I think in my fire yeah. career, it was the, it's one of those defining times where I went, did I, did I miss something here? You know, I'd been to talk about the Oshkosh stuff and, and drive the simulator trucks and all of those things. But to actually be in the back and I'm driving along and, and I'm, I'm one of those guys. I get sick. I can't actually play video games and all that stuff. And so I'm in the back of this truck with the, and I'm driving this simulator and I got out and my kids just laughing at me, right? At that time, Ryan's 15, he's visiting Calgary Fire with me and, yeah. and he's laughing at me because I'm like almost throwing up from being in this simulator, right? And of course he jumps in there, 15, no driver's license and he's rocking it. He's flying all over the streets of Calgary in this simulated <laughs> fire truck thinking yeah. he's on Grand Theft Auto or something, right? Yeah. And I just thought something happened here. There's, there's a change in the way that we're doing this that... Uh, I don't know if I get it, right? Well, playing NHL 2020 doesn't make you a hockey player. <laughs> exactly, right? like, exactly. So, <laughs> you know, and, and I get it. It's just part of the big package and, and firefighters go drive fire trucks after. But yeah, it was one of those super cool things that I was like, man, I don't know. I'm definitely not in the age category that they were thinking of when they built this guy for us, right? <laughs> so we did the firefighting stuff. You get did the pump operator stuff. You move up. Now you're a captain. Right. So you've been doing this a long time. You've been to lots of fires. Was that a good part? Bad part? Yeah. You know what? You always get asked, like, what was the best part? And it was all good. Yeah. Like, you know, moving up to officer, I just was ready for that leadership part. Right. And wanted running the station and you just get naturally, you want to do it. Right. Like when you start off, you think, oh, I never want to be a captain or I never want to be a district chief, but you just evolve and and I love that part of, of being the leader part, right? Like, of, and it's not that I felt a need, I had to be the boss. It's just, you kind of just, if you're that type of person and you evolve, it's just a natural fit that you're going to move up. And I just love the leadership part, the being able to impart knowledge and take what the good from all the different captains you've had, you know, and take all the good and learn from them and throw out the bad stuff and 
and, and try to build a big crew, a good, happy crew. And I love how you put that, right? Because I think we've all had good, bad, ugly, different things that happen to us in our careers, right? But even the bad ones, right? The quote unquote bad ones, they teach you a lot. And there's the best ones. We all have our favorite mentors that, uh, you know, they taught us more than everybody else. And you went through some of the craziest stuff with them. And and uh, it's funny because, you know, in every single person, we could have a totally different opinion. You could really hate somebody and think, wow, that was a terrible leader and I hate working for that guy. And I could have a different experience with that person and think, well, that person was just the greatest and they taught me so much. And that's just one of those weird, wonderful things about being part of this big family, this big world is that like, it's funny because you say it's the next thing. It's expected. You're going to do it and you can't wait for it. And it comes. And yet we know tons of people out there that never wanted to do that, never wanted to move up, never wanted to be part of those those jumps, those levels, right? But you did and you enjoyed it. And do you have a favorite, you know, like starting out captain and you went to this call and it kind of changed your your outlook? You had any of those? Yeah, yeah, we had one. And it was, I was an acting captain actually. And I was back at the hall where I'd spent a lot of time at. So I knew the crew and Calgary was going through a shift. Like I talked earlier about the Red Mile. Like for some reason it was, the officers didn't go in with you. And, and so it was up to the crews. I don't know why that ever evolved, but we were evolving back to, or going to where the officers went in and led their crews. So it was right at that transition phase. So we get an apartment fire. I think it was about the sixth floor of an apartment building that coincidentally I used to live in. You know, we got smoke and flames coming out the balcony and we arrived and we're supposed to go up and do a primary. So we geared up, grabbed all our stuff, went up, fought the fire, and then afterwards, everyone's like, just complimenting me, like, thank me, like, oh, it's so nice to have an officer up here. Because it was just so rare, right? Is that change coming back, right? It yeah. was just that change. And it just felt good, like, just like, because I still wanted to go in. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to be standing out on this sidewalk <laughs> or the lawn. So <laughs> it was just really good to yeah. be in there with the guys, right? And, and be part uh, of it. Part, be of, the part solution, of it, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's still other people that can sit out on the sidewalk and tell us what to do, right? That, that was later on in your career. You took that job. Right? <laughs> but uh, I, I'm the same. Like even a small town that we were from, officers didn't come in with us. And then finally, I don't know when, I guess we, we switched trucks. And so we got a truck that had more spaces and right. uh, it had a, an SCBA in the seat. And so the officer started throwing a pack on and coming in with us. And at first there was a lot of resistance to that. It's like, well, we don't need you. Right. But Turns out we did, right? And that's that's one of those changes that's been good, I think, for the whole fire service. I'll get lots of hate mail on my social about that, but that's okay. It's all, it's all good. That's what we can have our own opinion. That's a great part of this, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so uh, you did that, and then you got up to district chief, right? And so you're cruising through that. So that's now more. You got to take care of bunch of stations and and more of that i won't say the sidewalk but you guys got a super cool van in in calgary that you get to sit <laughs> in and, and do all that stuff right yeah and so what was the good the bad and the ugly of that role well the good part was by this time in my career i'd been doing a lot of teaching right i was always a field trainer with calgary i spent a year and a half our training division and i was out teaching throughout the province and up into the territories and so it was just a, a natural progression of that leadership role right and i felt like we were again doing a change more to the ics system the actual thought process of you know what are our problems objectives 
tactical boards. Like it was a le- evolution to, to moving towards that. So, and I was, I bought into that. Nice. Right. So it was really good to show up and instead of just everybody doing their own thing, get together, come up with a plan. Here's your fire attack team. Here's your search team. Here's your ventilation team. And I like that team effort, that coordinated fire attack effort. So as a district chief, you're kind of the, the general manager up in the press box doing it. So yeah, being part of that process, right. Helping create that drive, that process. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Okay. So, so you did a bunch of things, firefighter, captain, you were in the training, you did the district chief. I don't want you to have to rank them here, but favorite out of all the things you did, favorite time in the fire service. What was that? I would say it was captain. Like I I really enjoyed being the captain. Like I liked every position, but the captain, you're still part of the crew when you're at dinner time, at lunchtime, you're still one of the boys. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. That, see, I'm dating myself when I said <laughs> one of the boys. That's for sure. Eh? You're, you're still yeah. one of the crew, right? Yeah, that's and, okay. uh, and, and it was awesome. When you went to district chief, even though you're still with the guys you worked with all those years, now all of a sudden it's just you're separating yourself a little bit, right? And, th- and that was tough and a fine line because management is at you at one side. You're a firefighter at heart. You're not going to sell the team out. That was a fine act. There's different jobs, right? So, and I think most of us, you know, if we, we're not going to say the worst job, but you know, the hardest job is always that, that piece between the team and, and the management of the team, right? So depending on the size of your fire department, it could be any title or, but the job itself, description of actually having to kind of toe the company line and, and still want to take care of the people below you. And although, you know, for most part, most days, it's just a big team effort and we're all heading in the same direction. Of course, there's going to be those times when we're not, and it's tough to to be on the wrong side of that coin, right? Yeah. I don't think anyone will disagree with that. So, yeah. So you get to the to the end, right? You're going to retire from Calgary Fire, and so like, let's just share a few thoughts with me of what goes through your head after a long career like that, and you're going to not be doing that anymore. I don't know. It just kind of happened, right? Like I was always, yeah, I'm going to do my 40 years because I could have got 40 years in and. Just like anyone, I'm going to go to the end and I'm going to do it. And and that would have been good. But, you know, after 32 years, I was just, you know what? I've done a lot here and there's other opportunities. Like, so I, I went out teaching health and safety, teaching firefighting. I started going up being a safety supervisor for uh, shutdown companies. So going, you know, up to all these oil sand sites and went to North Africa and just the States and, Things was, that are so different than Calgary. Right? Yeah, yeah, like it was fun opportunity, right? It was yeah. it was really a lot of fun and met some amazing people who I still am in touch with today and whether Facebook or just texting or it was a wonderful seven years of doing that, right? It was. And then it was just this opportunity here kind of fell in my lap and it's fun going back to operational. Yeah, the draw of the fire service, right? To come back and get involved and. Yeah. So now, now being here, you know, your hands on, you're part of the team we're building, we're growing here. So it's, it's fun being back in the game, I guess. Yeah. And and I think that it kind of draws you back to that mentorship piece, that leadership piece that I can now tell that those were your favorite times and your, your best times. 
even just being here for the week, I love it, right? You start to talk and, and these young people that work here, they get quiet right away and they listen to what's being said. And you could tell that that leadership piece, that respect is already building here. And that, you know, I was joking before we started that the best thing an old firefighter can do for a young firefighter is to teach them to be an old firefighter. And, and we joke about that and we have all kinds of cartoons and stuff about that. But in reality, it's the truth. And so I can see it. You know, you got a young captain here, Colton, that just he's eating up everything you're saying and, and uh, can't wait to the next time that you guys get together so he can learn some more. Right. And at the same time, being in this new role, I can see how it challenges you and you're learning. Right. And so for me, it's always training, always learning. It's part of growing up fire. And I can see it work in both ways. I, I've just been here for a few days and I can already see it work in both ways. Yeah. Oh, oh it is. I'm learning from them. And it's amazing out here. You know, with Calgary, you pretty much have unlimited resources. And I've lived in the town of Cochrane for almost 30 years and used to volunteer with them. And so sometimes you go to a fire or an incident and limited manpower. And out here we have two guys on the department. So we get a structure fire and our two truck shows up with two guys. And then, you know, Public Works water truck backs up and hooks up a hose. And with three people, they're doing more than, you know, anywhere else would do with a dozen. Yeah, for sure. You know, they're still pulling hose off. They're still putting it out. They're still yeah doing so much with so little, right? Like, and, yeah, and that's, that's the, the challenge. challenge. It's crazy. You're, you know, you're trying every day to to help them get to that level where they can do that, and you're still trying to stay safe and get everybody home. And right, so the challenges are immense. But to me, it's so cool. Like, you know, you talked about all your Calgary stuff, and then you get to go to all these different countries and be part of the. And let's be honest, the oil field world till recently was pretty good you could pretty well get what you needed and get the job done and yeah and then to come back to a, a smaller department that's fragmented so there's you know it's a small hall with a small group of people that have to cover a huge area and all the things that happen yet i can still tell when you talk you're happy and things are you know you're you want to help and you're able to and and so that's kind of a nice part of this yeah yeah and it's it's building that team right like I look back again, the old days, the pranks that went on, <laughs> oh, like, <laughs> you know, you have a crew of 10, 10 young people under the age of 25. Holy cow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and that builds that team and it's fun. Right. And, and that's what I'm trying to do here. Like now that I'm the fire chief, it's like no pranks, you know, but, but a few, <laughs> but, but a few, yeah. Don't let me see them. <laughs> and, but building that team, right, and getting the people together and, and realizing how fun it can be, like, it's very serious and you better be on your game, but let's have fun, right? Right. It, it's, yeah. it is kind of like, you know, it's the scariest, saddest, happiest, nerve-wracking, best, worst times of your life like you could just use so many adjectives to talk about it and it's the fire world right so i could feel the lure of it all the time right in my new consulting job i get to to work with fire departments so every week or two we're starting with a new fire department and it's those common goals right the people with experience trying to make sure the people without it get some information the people with knowledge making sure the people that need it get the knowledge and and so uh yeah it's just been so fun to be here and, and kind of see all the different personalities and, and how it works and and all the different things that you got to get done with such a limited amount of resources. So yeah, I think it's great. I could see why you get up every morning and roll out here and, and work your butt off trying to, to help out. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 
it's great. Yeah. And, and even just like, you know, again, so we talked a little bit about Colton, right? And so to try and take this young person and turn them into the officer, I can see why you love that challenge, right? And I couldn't. Like when I first got here, I was like, man, it must be a tough job. And, you know, it's a grind every day. And But then all of a sudden you hear a few stories and you see some interactions and you think, wow, this is this is cool stuff. Because for him, that's his growing up fire story started a little later in life and and he's moving through so yeah i don't know it's pretty awesome so it wouldn't be the same if we didn't talk a little bit about 2011 slave lake wildfire right so that's you and i got to meet each other for the first time up there yeah you want to talk a little bit about kind of that how that impacted you and and uh, what you got to do and see up there yeah it was a amazing experience and i'm not saying that in a good way but just uh, mind-numbing and remember pulling into town and just seeing the burned out blocks. And it was funny, it's it's hard to comprehend it. Like your mind's not really even comprehending because something like this shouldn't exist. And it was just like, holy mackerel, like your mind's trying to process it. And and then, you know, we arrive and instantly, I'd spent two nights in Calgary, pretty much sleepless nights working. And uh, then we go deploy up to Slave Lake and then I'm on night shift. You know, right away, and, yeah. worked nine nights straight nights up there so but it was just mind-numbing just the amount of devastation and our first sit rep at the fire station when you got all the different groups together and different departments together and and uh, you know you have the big city guys and you have the the small departments like high level there and it was just an amazing mix and just you know it was just really nice to be a part of it actually and helping out, right? So Yeah. I feel the same. I, I could tell you that 2011 Wildfire and Slave was it was absolutely the lowest point of my entire career. And at the same event, absolutely the highest point of my entire career. I can remember that first sit rep. And uh, I'll never forget that guy whose phone started to ring when we were all, there's 180 some of us sitting there and his phone started ringing. I felt so bad for him. He snuck outside and it's just his wife checking on him, make sure he's still alive. And yet, you know, who's ever been in a sit rep with 180 some firefighters that really want to hear what's going on? I tell stories constantly about how this is the one that brought us all together. Because it really didn't matter. I, I can be, uh, you know, up front and say that every night or day we'd have different shifts and, and we're working with, you know, guys from the big city, guys I never met before, Edmonton and Calgary. And uh, you guys were just awesome to work with. And you treated us like equals and took care of us because it was our town. And I would watch even Edmonton and Calgary. This happened on a night shift. You might have been the guy in charge of all this, but they were putting up the security fencing over in the southeast part of town. And, and they were actually, it was almost like warfare. They were spying on each other and taking away tools and, and getting generators and lights. And then the other guys would see what they were doing and they'd start doing it. And I can remember the next morning coming in after and at the sit rep in the morning, they did 48 hours worth of work in a 10 hour night shift. And all because it was just these two career departments who were challenging each other. And it turned into this war, this fun kind of cool thing that happened. And so to me, that that was incredible. And the mixing, right? My son was 15 and he went out with a Calgary crew and he's teaching them about ground fire and foam application and class A. And and at the same time, of course, they're teaching them a million things about being a firefighter that a 15-year-old kid could never know and be around. And it's all just city firefighting, country firefighting, right? And so it was kind of cool. Definitely, I think that it brought us all together. And you could have been from anywhere, 
right? We all kind of had the same hat and we all kind of had the same goal and, and it was pretty awesome. So, you know, for us, you know, you and I, we got to continue that on later. I spent a lot of time in Calgary trying to learn processes and programs and getting uh, help from you guys. And I would say that definitely every single one of you was a mentor to me in those years after that fire for sure, right? So thanks for that. <laughs> right I, we had some good talks up there right we we uh we talked about some crazy stuff and had some good talks and yeah it's all good stuff so now compare that 2011 you know it's in someone else's town you've come in to help out now 2013 the southern alberta floods it's happening it's in your city yeah. right in your your hometown that you're from Cochrane, your city that you're protecting calgary and then all of the places around that you're familiar with so what was that like well, that, that, again, was it was hard when you first did it, right? Like, we weren't there the day one when it started, but I started the morning of day two. And, you know, by then it's full torrent and torrential. And, and it was just something going into work, right? Because even though it was devastating, there's still large parts of Calgary that weren't affected, right? Business as usual. So arriving at my, my regular station, and I actually was a night, it was the first night shift that we went on duty because when we got there there's a couple of forestry boats there and they had started assembling aquatics teams and to do rescues and stuff and so i arrive in the as a district chief and you know the forestry guys are like what do you want us to do it's like oh, shit i don't know <laughs> yeah i didn't do this before <laughs> yeah you know let me figure it out so then you started you kind of get your act together and then at first, it was there wasn't a lot of ICS. It was just your your typical. Everybody goes in response, right? And we we're still in that panic response mode. And so then we're getting calls from dispatch, right? Like so. Next thing you know, I'm in my van and I'm heading out to this area where there's really bad flooding south of downtown, and people are trapped in their apartment buildings. They didn't want to leave at first, you know. They're thinking, I don't want to leave. And next thing you know, they're the waters, you know, at the six, seven, eight foot mark of the apartment building and they're forced to go to the second or third floor and now they don't want to leave you know and then now it's like holy geez i'm going to be here a long time so they're dialing 911 come rescue me <laughs> yeah and and you know so we're assessing do we send a boat in do we have people wade in can they just stay there because you know we because there's a lot of them that you got to rescue yeah, yeah for sure like one of the the fish cop boats um sunk like totally sunk. And ironically enough, I ended up buying the, the motor off it. Oh, there off, you go. Off of them and rebuild <laughs> the old flooded yeah, motor, get, yeah. Getting it, rebuilding it. And one of our Calgary boats, ironically enough, put a hole in the hull from hitting a fire hydrant. You know, they're going along around the corner. and <laughs> Bad luck and, gets uh, worse. <laughs> so it was dangerous, right? Like it wasn't just a standing water. It was full flood torrent water going through neighborhoods. And so it was that immediate rescue part of it right that was you're making decisions like i guess that's why you get paid as you move up the ranks is because now all of a sudden it's like you're not working you're actually making i guess life and death decisions of right no we're not coming to get you and and it wasn't Sorry. in the training it wasn't in the manual right i mean <laughs> it's not uh nobody expects the the flood of that level right yeah it was it was just unbelievable like yeah. yeah, I can always remember after the slave fire was uh, we got sued by this one company and and it was like uh, well they didn't use the proper firefighting techniques and they didn't have the proper equipment and 
And I was like, so excited. I was like, I can't wait to go to court on this one. Cause I want someone to show me where, where's the, where's the book on what happens when 35% of your town's burning down, you know, and what equipment should we have had that we didn't have? And, you know, I get it. It's just lawyers doing their thing and whatever it all got sorted out. Right. But it really, as a firefighter pissed me off. Cause it's like, you know, there's not a training manual on this. There isn't, you know, this doesn't happen. Right. And the floods was the same sort of thing where we were actually out at Six Sicka helping out and at night you'd get a little bit of time to watch the news and we'd see like obviously there's always calgary fire trucks and firefighters on the news getting talked about and we're just like you know we're picking out people we know because it's just a couple years after the slave lake fire yeah and uh you know we're texting with some of the guys and and we're hearing these stories and just terrified for you right and the same sort of thing like there's no book on it no one took any training on that and yes there's some general aspects but you know, you have to make these crazy decisions that you never got trained on, right? Yeah, and and that's one of the things I do when I teach is, you know, if you have the training and you have the experience, you, you just go with your gut feeling. You don't stand there for five minutes looking at something and draw back on it. A lot of times it's just you go with your gut feeling, right? As a leader, you're just, okay, we got to go do this. Okay, you guys do that. And, you know, you process it all really quick in your head and go with what you feel is right. Right. Yeah. And I guess, you know, some of that's why I said those those times were the worst and the best of my career, because you're really just a gunslinger out there going at it. And there's no rules because no one can make up rules about stuff that no one ever heard of before. Right. And so you get through it and you make sure everyone's safe. And it's all part of that big camaraderie piece, too. Right. Whereas everybody there is in the same boat. The people who got flooded out and they're stuck on the third story of the apartment building didn't know what was going to happen to them. The people that are saving them didn't know what was going to happen to them. The people making people go save them didn't know what was going to happen, right? And so it's just this massive web of some common sense and some some previous experience. So yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, I thought I thought uh, Slave Lake would be my call of my career, and then the floods happened, and yeah, there you are in the middle of another one, right? Yeah, exactly. So wow. yeah. Yeah, it's cool stuff to to be part of and also scary stuff to be part of. If you ever stopped in the middle of one of those to think about how much devastation and destruction and death and all of those things, I don't know, you probably couldn't get through it, right? But, so so we build up <laughs> yeah. those walls and figure out how to do that. And, you know, here, here we yeah. are years later, you know, we could talk about all the good and the bad and the ugly about it, right? So Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it affects people, right? Like there's so much PTSD now and guys having problems and i think it's just really good that there's so much awareness of it and right and so much help for it because yeah. a lot of people like to say build up the walls and stuff and yeah it's it's amazing how good it is with the sism and well you, you see these new young firefighters and, that they're always going to have access to to help right access that we didn't even there wasn't for us and we didn't even know about it yeah uh, they'll never know anything different it'll just keep getting better for them and there'll be more help and which is awesome. And, and we got to help yeah. drive that, right? But you got to admit, as the older guys, you and you and I get to fit in that category, it's hard because you didn't come up that way. And so you could see that we need to do better. Yeah. But being part of that solution is tough too because it's a whole new thing with a whole new set of rules, right? So we got to push it along and, and make sure it happens and just hope that they get a lot better than what we got. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
All right, so so let's. Uh, I want to go back. We we didn't quite copy enough of what was going on when you you got to go to Northern Africa. You were working with industry there, so I'm going to guess a oil or gas facility. It was just kind of an independent hiring. So I, I went there, and it was uh, it was basically a bunch of it was in Tunisia people that a guy had a training center there, and so he wanted to train these people. It was mainly oil and gas, but it was a huge port facility. So I spent two weeks teaching this. Uh, NEBOSH, it's an international health and safety course. And there was right from a doctor who worked on an offshore rig to unemployed people. Wow. So it was just incredible. And that camaraderie, right? Like we spent two weeks, I taught for two weeks, and then I did a risk assessment of the port facility for a week. But just that camaraderie, like on the weekends, you know, we'd go out and, and tour Roman runes, like this big amphitheater. Yeah, like, and it's, like you talk about the Roman Colosseum and, you know, it's a big thing. Well, this thing's just as big. And it's just sitting out in this small town, you know, and I'm fishing with some of the guys. Uh, one of the guys was from a small island and I'm out in the Mediterranean commercial fishing with his buddies. You know, like, yeah. you know, we're pulling weekend, nets eh? off the bottom of the Mediterranean. And so, I mean, my career, you know, and that's one thing, you know, a lot of guys work after their careers and you know a lot of that prepped me for that and then i just ended up in that opportunity right and to this day i keep in touch with those guys and on facebook and it's just really cool yeah i like to talk about some things like that because it's not it's not all you just have to go on one fire all and do one thing and right it takes you different places i mean just in calgary took you to slave lake it, it took you to north africa it took you to northwest territories the yukon it takes you to these different places to do these different things and it's super cool it might not right if you're not open to those opportunities you, you might just work one place and do one thing but i think that i've been to some incredible incredible places just in the last 16 months doing this job that i would have never had the opportunity to do without fire right and so, you know, it's all part of that whole growing up through this, this fire world with this fire family and doing this fire thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I have, cause I volunteered in Cochrane for years and, you know, worked with a lot of smaller departments is I have the utmost respect for small town guys. Like when we talk about the big city guys and that, I, I you know, over the, my career, like the small, sometimes you're busier in a small town. You know, you go to more fires, you go to more car accidents, you go to a lot more hazardous materials events because that's your area, right? And you're, and you're the only ones there and you're doing it with one truck and three guys. Phone home to Slave Lake yesterday and we were chatting up our son and and uh, he says, oh, I got to go. It's uh, they, they did two structure fires and a multiple car MVA yesterday. Yeah. Right? In this little tiny town, covers this little tiny area. And and so you never know, right? It's It's all part of that that thing and then you could flip it around and say you know in the big city can you imagine you know city of calgary you're protecting a million people every single yeah. day you're protecting a million people right so i don't think which whichever part that you're part of whether you got two calls a year 10 calls a year or, or ten thousand calls a year it's all part of being the calling right part yeah. of helping out yeah exactly yeah it's just yeah it's just been a great career and i love what being a pensioner, I never retired. I just did a career change. Yeah. But, you know, we've got a, Calgary's got a very, very active pensioners association and we have an annual banquet and monthly meetings. And, you know, I go there and I'm 60 now, but I'm going there and there's the 70 year olds and 80 year olds 
that were my mentors, you know, that yeah. were the they lieutenant, to you. Yeah. lieutenants and captains and district chiefs and they're still around and we just have, it's just fun. You know, we laugh and Hey, remember this and remember that and remember sure. this time and remember that fire. And yeah, it's just great. You know, that's the career, even small town people keep in touch. Right. They do, yeah. And, and it's just the awesome part of, of my year or whatever is going to these meetings and seeing these old guys and, and Be, stuff. Being and part of it now. Being part of it still. Right. So that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. I know you weren't the biggest fan of doing this, so I thank you for coming out. I mean, we talked about some great stuff, you know, to everyone out there listening, Mike Crawford, right? Thanks buddy. I appreciate it. It was, uh, it was awesome. Oh, it's good. Good being here on a Saturday, hanging out at a fire hall. I'm good. What could be better, right? <laughs> where, where else would we want to be? Exactly. <laughs> right on. So, Grown Up yeah. Fire, episode six. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for listening to Growing Up Fire today. Follow me on Instagram, at Chief Coots, to comment or send questions. We appreciate your support.